the freedom climb is not just about trafficking. It's about oppression. It's about slavery. It's about exploitation. It's about poverty. If you just start asking the questions, looking around, just to get involved in some way. That's Kathy Anderson, and she and nearly 50 other women are about to climb Mount Everest, and you'll hear about it today on First Person. Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition. I'm Wayne Shepherd. You'll meet today's adventurous guest in a moment. But just before the conversation, please take note of our website where you can learn more of the details of the story you are about to hear. It's firstpersoninterview.com. We have placed links there for you to follow to learn more about the Freedom Climb organized by Operation Mobilization. Again, firstpersoninterview.com. And by the way, today's interview will also be archived there if you have to step away and want to hear the whole story. Well, back in January of 2012, a group of women were determined to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, and they did, for a very worthy cause. Now they have set their sights on an even more strenuous climb up Mount Everest, again to benefit victims of sexual exploitation and trafficking. Kathy Anderson is one of those climbers for Operation Mobilization, and recently when we sat down to talk near her Southern California home, I began by asking her about last year's climb of Mount Kilimanjaro. Well, we had 48 women from all around the world. Uh, I think we counted, we were from 10 different countries, and we met there and uh, just started this incredible journey. Um, I think when we started out, the, the, the hike itself was not difficult. It was a very gradual ascent. But once we got up to about 18,000 feet, most of us started feeling the effects of a lack of altitude, and that's when we started breaking down. But the um, there were just so many things that happened on that mountain with um, women. When we left and we started that hike, I think one of the most significant things was that the ladies felt as though that they were attempting this climb for the women that were oppressed and exploited in the world. But what they discovered is once they got to the top of the mountain is the things that they were in bondage to. And as they laid those things in their broken state, I mean, we were, when you get up there and you're trekking at that altitude, you break down quickly and it just becomes a mental game. And so um, everyone had to go to that place where the Lord was really their only reserve to get to the top. So this was a spiritual journey. Oh, it was an incredibly spiritual journey. I mean, it was... It was so significant that when we got down, we were amazed because we had not anticipated the amount of the spiritual side that it that it mm-hmm. ended up being. And it was a, an ascent of up to eighteen thousand plus. Uh, Kilimanjaro, the top is about nine over nineteen. Okay, and you went how far to the top? Right to the top. There were forty three of us out of the forty eight that went right to the top. Oh. And so um, Uhuru Peak is the actual, actual very tip top, and, and several actually made it to that very, very highest peak. But Were you one of them? I was not. Oh. I, had, I had some gals on my team, and I turned around, and I looked at them, and I knew they would follow me if I kept going, yeah, but I yeah. also knew that it was not a good choice That's to keep going. That's good leadership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, huh. When they are as white as a sheet and stumbling over their words, you know that, yeah, we better go yeah, down. There's a there's a limit there. Yeah. Now you mentioned they were doing it on behalf of oppressed women and children. Yes. Let's talk about that for a moment. It okay. wasn't just to say, "Hey, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro." Right. It was to bring awareness and raise support 
yes. uh, for victims of sexual trafficking and yes. and slavery. Yes, and that's such a great question, and thank you for asking. It's um, the the climb part merely is a symbolic gesture of climbing a mountain of what that means for women around the world to climb to freedom, mm-hmm. and it gives us a platform. I mean, when you say that you have forty eight women climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, people always are willing to listen, um, and so that's. That's what we're doing. We just want to be able to get out there and tell the story of what life is like for most of the women of the world. Mm-hmm. And you do this under the auspices of Operation Mobilization. Yes. Uh, how does it fit the mission of OM for you to go climbing these mountain peaks? Well, it's a perfect fit, which again, there was another surprise, but OM, it works in all of these countries around the world with the, the most marginalized, least serviced people. And so those are the women that we want to reach. Um, with the Proverbs 31, we just want to be those uh, the voice for these ladies that don't have a voice, who've been silenced through um, through poverty. Really, through poverty is the, the big factor that we're trying to address and reduce the vulnerability to the exploitation that they have. So how do they end up benefiting from what you're doing? Is it a, a matter of raising money and support or awareness or both? Well, it's it's both. We um, The awareness part is huge because we believe that if we tell the story— then people have this information and now it's up to them to decide what they are going to do with that information. And that's the, that's the, that's the key. Okay. Now that you know, what are you going to do about it? We have identified over 30 projects in the OM world that served the, um, the most vulnerable women and children of the world. And they're all over the OM world. Mm-hmm. Um, OM's in 110 countries of the world and you know over 6,000 missionaries on the ground. So we've identified the projects that are specific to serving these women. Um, probably... Our sweet spot where we really do the most work is in vocational training and educating kids. Hmm. And that is really where we feel the most equipped. There's so many organizations out there that are doing some great work with the rescuing um, um, of trafficked girls. But we really our heartbeat is reducing the vulnerability to this in the first place and empowering women to be able to make their own choices and to rise out of that poverty themselves. And knowing that OM is involved, there's mm-hmm. a uh, an element to this that it's always done in Christ's name. Absolutely. That, that's the ultimate mm-hmm. goal, isn't it? Is to, yes. uh-huh. to minister peace and, and healing in Christ's name. Right. Absolutely. You know, um, the thing that I love about OM is the people that we have met through OM, they are true, true servants in the purest form of the word for for the Lord. I mean, they just have that heart where they have sold out. So what evidence do you have that uh, it made a difference? Now, we're talking about last time. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about the next time in a few moments. But what evidence do you have that it, it really accomplished its, its mission, its goal? Well, we were able to raise, oh, I'm going to estimate around a half a million, about 500,000 um, right? from all of the projects and send it out. And so the pro- the results are just starting to come into the inbox of mm. how lives have been changed. And I am telling you what, there is no greater joy than to read these stories and to see the pictures of women who now own a sewing machine and they... um they or the kids that are going to school or the schools that have been built and it's just this the stories are endless it'll go on for years won't oh it? my goodness you know what and they're um up in ghana where uh prostitution rings are being broken up and it's just on on and on in chad where a group of um little widows that their only source of income was had dried up 
And so we were able to help them to sustain them through all of this. Otherwise, they just become outcasts. They become throwaways. And so it's just, that's the other beauty of the Freedom Climb is these projects are so wide and vast and varied. We went to Bangladesh this year and we walked out into this remote village and there were these little, I mean, they're tiny the women are so small, and of course they're covered, and they were sitting at these sewing machines. And now we didn't speak the language, but our interpreter was standing there, and he asked any one of them if they'd like to stand up and tell a story. So one little gal stood up, and she just started pouring out her heart. And as she's pouring out her heart, all of the other women start crying. The interpreter starts crying. <laughs> we don't have a clue what she's saying, but we start crying. <laughs> and the story was that they had all had um, fistulas. Mm. And so they had been kicked out of their homes. They didn't have jobs. And so um, a doctor came to, down, came to town, repaired the fistulas, and then we brought in this vocational training and brought them a sewing machine and taught them tailoring skills. And they were so, so grateful. And we just got word that that class graduated and the next classes come in. So it's so fun to see that it's working and lives are being changed through it. Yeah. Now you said, I believe there are 48 women who made the climb of Mount Kilimanjaro. Yes, there were 48 that started out and 43 actually summited. All right. And Mm -hmm. the youngest was how old? 18. And the oldest? 70. 18 to 70. Yeah. Um, Same thing for the next climb, you think? You're looking for women of all ages? Well, um, we're we're closed and it's so frightening to say that I'm the oldest this time. Oh no. How can this be? I know, that's what I said. How can this possibly be? I just turned sixty this year, so we get to um I get to hold the banner. And then I think no, well, what's holding the banner? What's that about? That means you're never too old. Oh, you are okay. never too old to just right. step out in faith when the Lord asks you to well, do there's, something. There's some honor there. That's, yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I think so. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> and what are you doing to uh, let it mean? And now we're only a few weeks out before this climb is actually going to be made. April 7th, we leave. Okay. Uh-huh. So, um, boy, that's not very far away. Mm-mm. How how many women are going to make this next climb? On this one, we have 45 from all over the world. Again, we have 21 from the U.S. and then 10 from all different countries around the world and nine from um, Africa. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how do you choose those who who make the climb? They come through, they go through an interview process and we... um, Training. They, you know, because because we all live, we're in from seven different states around the United States. We don't have much face to face interaction, so it's all up to them. They need to be self disciplined. They need to get out there and work. I was blessed with a daughter who's a personal trainer, so she whips me into shape. All right, and so probably enjoys the process. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so everybody's just responsible to get themselves in shape. Altitude, of course, is the big. Yeah. That's the one that's going to separate the the women from the girls. Right. Now, this next one is Mount Everest, but mm-hmm. it's it's not all the way up to... No, okay. no. Okay, all right. We're going to go to base camp, and then we'll summit uh, Kalapatar. Um, and that's a little over 18,000 and look down on base camp, but then we'll, we'll have summited a mountain. Coming up, we'll talk more with Kathy Anderson, part of Operation Mobilization's Freedom Climb, climbing up Mount Everest. Next week at this time, an in-home visit with singer-songwriters Keith and Kristen Getty. We want to write something that is a quality to last. And there's a sense of, of excellence and truth combined. If we can do that well, that becomes, I think Michael Card always said that, that becomes your protest. It, it says the thing that you can't say. Known for their hymn, In Christ Alone, we'll have a conversation with Keith and Kristen Getty about their faith and music. Next time on First Person. 
My guest on First Person today is Kathy Anderson. If you'll remember, Kathy was with me, I want to say at least a year ago, to mm-hmm. talk about the Freedom Climb. Uh, Kathy's the founder of the Freedom Climb, and uh, and you uh, instigated this and found some 48 women to go with you to climb Mount Kilimanjaro last mm-hmm. year. And we talked to you before that climb, and I was always um, sad that we never got to talk to you after the climb to see what oh, the results yes. were. So we're coming back to that today in anticipation of your next climb, which is of uh, Base Camp Mount Everest, right. which happens again April 7th, April I think 7th, you said, yes. so it's uh-huh. not very far away. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me more stories of the actual experience, the the, the camaraderie with the women, um, the spiritual aspect of that journey. We've touched on some of that. I'd like to hear some more of that. I think the fun thing was, is when you throw a group of women together, there were 12 of us, we had four groups of 12, and the camaraderie that develops cannot be broken. And I I, I guess I would liken it perhaps in a military term where you have a troop of men and they understand what it means to cover each other's backs, to encourage one another, to support one another. Um, and that's what it became. And we just became very close. We're still, we created our own little Facebook group, you know, a little private group and share our um, our joys and our struggles. And it's just, those women just became so close. And as we were hiking the mountain, you would just make sure that everyone was taken care of. If somebody was sick, you didn't go without them. It was just very significant. How long did the climb take? It was four and a half days up and two and a half down. Okay, this is no afternoon jaunt then. This no. this was major. They make you go slowly. They they call it poli poli, <laughs> and you just go slowly, slowly. Is that how you translate that? Slowly, slowly? Uh-huh. uh-huh. That's it. <laughs> so you had some guides to go with you. Yes, we had quite a few guides. The trek is hard because of the altitude, but you do have porters that are, that's their livelihood. That's mm-hmm. what they do. And they carry the majority of your gear and they set up your tent for you and they make sure you have a nice meal. So in that regard, it's very pleasant. <laughs> Did they ever encounter a group like you before? They, from what they said, we were the largest group of women in one group to ever attempt to summit the mountain. Making history. Yeah. I want to go back to that fellowship, that that camaraderie, because mm-hmm. I'm sure you formed lifelong friendships. Absolutely. As a result. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like uh, a wilderness experience, maybe, Yeah, where you're is. forced to rely on each other. Yes. Our group was the green group, and we called ourselves the green turtles. <laughs> and um, we just, it was funny because actually we were the one of the oldest groups age-wise. Most of us were we're older, but we were just slow and steady. We just stayed in a very tight line and just watched the person in front of us and just one step after one step. And we generally were the last ones to start and the first ones to finish, which was, you know, it was interesting. <laughs> slow and steady wins the race. That's right. Yeah. It was it was interesting. Did you know then, personally, you, Kathy, did you know that, hey, I'm going to do this again? Uh, no. It was one of those, well, let's see what happens and okay. let's see um, how this all falls out. And it was just, we've just been, we've been amazed. And I love that when the Lord shows up and you just stand there and you are amazed. And that's what's happened through this. Yeah. So at what point you did, you, did you decide that, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. We'll, we'll try this again. I think when we got back and after we rested, the discussion started. And once women begin to see what we were doing and why we were doing it, they begin to come to us and ask. And we already had that again for 2014. People are coming and saying, I want to do it. I believe so in gonna, what you're, you're doing. You're going to do this beyond this, this well, next one. At this point, I'm not, I, we are taking each year one year at a time. As the Lord leads, I As understand. As the Lord leads, yeah. that's absolutely right. So we're seeing what happens on this one. 
you know, as long as there's an interest and as long as, as we have breath, we'll keep going. So the women who are going to make this next climb mm-hmm. of Mount Everest, yes. um, tell me a little bit more about them. I'm sure you haven't even met all of them, have you? Oh, no. Uh-uh. I well, have. No. Tell, tell me something about them. How, how do they find out about what you're doing? How many repeat climbers do you have? And Well, in the OM world, it's a, you know, it's a tight community and they have a good communication stream. So OMUSA... Uh, has you know this one was kind of word of mouth we had a lot of ladies tell a lot of ladies and they find out through different avenues a a show such as this Mm -hmm. would make people aware and we've had that opportunity thank you very much and then we have om africa and they have a very strong contingent down there that believe firmly and adamantly because um you know as you know the countries in africa they're the they struggle with the things that we're hiking yeah Yeah, they're in tune with this need aren't Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. and then we invite the OM International World to join us, women from the OM world who represent the people that we're hiking for. So they come along and they tell the stories and they um, just keep reminding us why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, You mentioned the porters last time. What will Mm -hmm. that be like this time? You know, I think from what I'm hearing, it's going to be very much the same. We have a limit on how much we carry on our backs and how much they will carry for us. It's very, very regulated on how much we can give them. If we have more weight, we have to pay extra mm-hmm. for another porter. Okay. So um, they're, they're very protective of their people. And uh, how many nights will this one be? Uh, up on the mountain, I think it's 14 nights on the mountain. 14. Mm-hmm. So this is three times as long as the last one and more. Yeah, yeah. All right, let me come back then to the, the ultimate purpose of this. And, yes. and is, it is to raise awareness and, and support mm-hmm. for women and children who are oppressed and victimized by mm-hmm. uh, sex trafficking and, and all the rest of it. Um, mm-hmm. Talk more about why this is uh, something that you just feel so strongly about. You know, it's one of those issues where here in the United States, we know that human trafficking is alive and well in the United States. In the US. Oh, absolutely. When you if you this is a very interesting thing that I found out. Anytime you have a large sporting event, uh, they estimated that perhaps ten thousand girls were brought in to service the pleasure of the men around the Super Bowl. No. Now that these are statistics that we're hearing um, you know, on the internet and and from other sources. Yeah, we think of but, this as a third world problem. I know. Oh this, no. This is not just a third world problem. Oh no. Oh no. And that's what I think, that's probably part of it, is I had no idea. I was an agriculture teacher by profession, and when I retired, I was working on farming in Africa. And so when this came to view, when the Lord spoke this vision, I didn't understand it. And then when I started reading um, about the reality of what's really going on, it was shocking. It was mind-blowing. It was one of those moments where you thought, Okay, how, how did how did I miss this? And then when you start entering that world of research, you become aware of what's actually going on. It's amazing. The book Half the Sky, I think everyone would say mm-hmm. it's a must read for everyone. Yeah. Because it's such a um just such a strong persuasive argument and description of what's really going on in the mm-hmm. world. And those are the women we we don't want to be known as just the freedom climb is not just about trafficking. It's about oppression. It's about slavery. It's about exploitation. It's about poverty. It's about that whole thing about the prevention. You know, get to the core of it in the first spot. That's really where we're trying to head. Mm-hmm. All right. What can we do to help? And how do we get involved? We're, we're, most of us aren't going to be making this climb with you. You won't let mm-hmm. me climb, for instance. I, right. I don't think I could do it. But 
What can I do to help? You know, uh, what I would really um, recommend is if people go to our website, thefreedomclimb.net, and it's .net. All right, we'll um, put that on our website too. Yeah, um, and just kind of educate and find out what we're doing. Um, and while we're there, pray for us. Mm. You know, that's one of those things um, you, we cannot even begin to discount the power of prayer. In fact, we will have an entire team of 18 women 10 for half of the trip and eight for the second half of the trip at the bottom of the mountain praying for us. Okay. And we, the last time when we were there, we had a prayer team at the bottom praying for us as well. And they're not just praying only for our safety, but that's important to many of us, but they're praying for all of this situation around the world. Um, obviously, if people want to give financially, that's another big thing to be able to equip the people who are out there in the projects and let them do the work that they're doing. These people are working, you know, one gal we met with and we said, so what's your budget for the month? And she said, um, she was in Austria and she said, $30 a month. And you're thinking, oh my gosh. And we said, well, so how much could you do do with (laughs) 3000, you know, and her eyes just got huge (laughs) and it just opens up a world of possibilities and that many more women that they can reach and serve. There's another um, situation and this one really breaks my heart where in one of the countries, and I'm trying to stay um, a little bit discreet about the countries just for security purposes, but um, they have orphanages. And in these orphanages, this, the girls really aren't equipped with life skills. So one of the projects, they have what they call a safe passage. And when the girls graduate from the orphanage at the age of 18, normally they just open the door and say goodbye, but they have, they're not equipped to be able to live life. I mean, they don't even know, some don't even know how to tell time. Mm. They would not be able to go shopping. They don't know directions. They don't know how to get on a bus. So this project, they in their own little apartments, they take these girls out and they just spend a couple of months teaching them life skills and they walk around the city and they um, show them how to apply for a job. What if they had, you know, what if they could handle more than two girls? What if they could handle a dozen? But to do that, they have to have a home large enough to handle these girls, to be able to to provide a home for them. So it's things like this. So that's what you're able to accomplish with the yes. Freedom Climb. And we can sponsor the climb. We can sponsor mm-hmm. individual climbers. Yes. Uh, all that information is on the website. Yes, it and is. And we will put that at firstpersoninterview.com as well, mm-hmm. which uh, will make it easy for people to find the, the link and information there. It's only a few weeks away, but I'm sure you can sign up to become a sponsor right up to the very climb, Oh, absolutely. And after. And after. You're excited about this trip, aren't you? I am so excited because it's just so... Uh, it's not about us and it's not about what we're doing. It's just the fact that we're getting on our feet and we're doing something. We heard the story and we're getting up and doing something. And that's what w- the message that we w- would want to tell people is just do something. There's no limit to what you can do. If you just start asking the questions, looking around, just to get involved in some way. I find what these women are doing to be remarkable, made even more compelling by the cause that motivates them to come to the aid of women and children who are the victims of sexual exploitation and trafficking. And there is a way you can help. You can decide you want to pledge support for one or more of the climbers and help them reach their goal, offering help and hope in the name of Christ. Just go to firstpersoninterview.com, click on the Freedom Climb. There you can easily find out how to support what these women will accomplish in just a few short days. Again, go to firstpersoninterview.com to lend your support. Of course, while you're at the website, you can also explore the audio archive of interviews you may have missed. Just click on the Listen button at firstpersoninterview.com. 
Next week at this time, an in-home visit with modern-day hymn writers Keith and Kristen Getty. I hope you'll join us. Now, with thanks to my producer and friend Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you to join us next time for First Person. First Person.